Welcome, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me today on the DLC Drop podcast. A lot of people are about to find out why this is a real special episode for me. I'm sure it's special for you as well. But thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure to be here, John. I've been looking forward to this now for quite a few months because you had planned this before and I had to cancel for reasons, you know, personal reasons. So I've been looking forward to this since the beginning of the year. Amazing. Well, I'm so glad you're able to be here. And for people who don't know, which is most of them, this podcast, this episode would not be happening. The podcast as a whole, if it wasn't for you and I coming together in a coaching mentor-mentee relationship. And where that started, I got to be honest with you, Sharon, I have always been extremely skeptical of business coaches because I feel like it's an industry there's some people who can sell some snake oil, right? And it's, yes. there's some people who are teaching other people how to do things they didn't do themselves for somehow. There's people who will just take advantage of those who can easily be taken advantage of. We could say that. But when you and I had the opportunity to work together, I was the president of the Esports Trade Association. We had not yet built the permanent board and I had not yet been made chairman and I was much more amateur in my leadership than I am today. And our good friend, Megan Van Patten, my great partner, founder of the Esports Trade Association said, John, I met this woman <laughs> and we want to enter you into this coaching program so you can be a better leader for the association. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. I get to test this out without having to pay a bunch of money and get taken advantage of. And long story short, Sharon and I did some coaching on ESTA and I got furloughed. I, this is a, a specific story here. I was furloughed during COVID because I worked for Production Resource Group, the biggest entertainment production company in the world. 90% of their, their workforce was furloughed and I was pretty optimistic at first. I said, oh, they'll bring me back in a few months. COVID won't last that long. <laughs> I think we all thought that at first, right? Right. But there was a moment where I applied for a big time position, a VP esports position for this really big collegiate esports entity. And it was one of those things where all the stars were aligning. Mm -hmm. And Sharon, I don't know if you've had these moments. You ever see something where you see the stars start to align? You're like, this is going to happen. Absolutely. And that was happening in ways that I couldn't even expect. And then I just got such a gut punch. I didn't even get a final interview. I remember. And I remember that morning, our coaching session and saying, Sharon, I don't know if there's a job out there that includes what I'm good at and love and doesn't include what I suck at and don't enjoy. <laughs> And you said, well, let's think about this. And then I remember the text message and you said, John, what if you paid X and you could make X? <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, of course I would take that. But what are you talking about, Sharon? And you said, John, I think you're leaving a lot of money on the table if you don't start your own personal brand. And I had never considered being an entrepreneur before that moment and after working with you for the last eight, nine months, I could not imagine not being one. Right. And one of the things I'd like to express, before this, I was thinking about our relationship and I was thinking, I am such a different person than I was nine months ago. And it's hard for me to even really articulate all of those things more than just the mindset of a leader and an entrepreneur that you have helped me develop. But that's enough about me. <laughs> Let's dig into you. You're the guest here. So you are the founder and CEO of Sharon Gill International. You're a business coach and consultant. You're very successful. Where did this journey begin to get you to where you are today? Well, first of all, I just have to tell you, I am just, you know, just so proud of you, you know, because I can see your growth and I in no way take credit for it because yes, I was a part of it, but you had it already in you, you know? And then that's the thing with coaching. We coach the greatness, you know, in people, right? Mm -hmm. Out of people. 
So it was already there, and, and a coach's job is to help you to get there, to see it for yourself. You were already equipped with everything that you have now was already there. So, and I've seen a growth, I've just seen the remarkable change, and I know that it, there's even more for you. There's just even more. You're just beginning to scratch your surface. So, thank you. You know, I actually began my corporate career in at American Express God, back in the mid 80s. I'm dating myself. If you can hear my accent, you'll know I'm from Jamaica, right? I'm, I'm from the Caribbean. So I, that was my first job here was the American Express job. And I really got like a lot of corporate experience there that really served me well. And I remember in my eighth year at American Express, my husband decided to start his own law firm. And uh, he wanted me to come and be, be the CEO, right? Because I had a lot of strategic, had a strategic mindset, you know, it's so always been there. So we began our law firm and it, quickly became successful. You know, I honestly used some of the American Express principles to build my firm. I mean, I had the best training there. I, you know, rose up the ladder pretty quickly there as well. I was a pace setter, which is a top 5% of American Express employees worldwide. So I was pace setter twice, you know, right, you know, one trip to Rome, one trip to Australia. Wow. Um, just for like, you know, the, the high performers. So when I, when I started my law firm with my husband, I took those principles and I, we decided we we're going to do a lot differently. We we're going to have a stodgy law firm. We we're going to have a business. We we're going to be entrepreneurs. So we were very agile and we were very purpose driven and purpose centered. And I did that with Wayne for a bunch of years. And then I felt a calling on my own life to do something even bigger, more impactful in my life. So I semi-retired from law. And I started a charity in the community. And that was very life-changing for me. I, you know, it was a holistic ministry where I was working with broken people, you know, trying to get them back into society, back into community, you know, giving them jobs, you know, training, counseling, coaching, just makeovers. And throughout that entire process, I, there was one common theme, John, and it was always building people up. Whether I was working in the law firm and building up the lawyers and building up my team, to become more high performers or more, you know, efficient. Or I was working with the poor, you know, disempowered folks. It was always trying to get them to that next stage, that next level. And I remember when I was running my charity, I was also mentoring a lot of other new charities and mentoring other boards. And it was all for free. It was as my charity was growing rapidly, getting a lot of press, a lot of television interviews, magazines, so I was getting a lot of attention. So folks were coming by all the time to ask me, what's your blueprint? And so I was always coaching, always teaching, always sharing knowledge. Hmm. And I would say at the end of, I think right around 2015, I began the thought process, right, of maybe transitioning from brick and mortar and from that lifestyle into an online coach, right? It took me about four years for that transition to wind my companies down and sell my companies and transition my companies and actually move from the state of Florida to North Carolina where I wanted a clean, fresh start and took my company, took my knowledge, took my experience and opened my shop as a online coach and consultant. And it's been no regrets. So I met wonderful people like yourself. That's such an interesting story. What I'm taking from that is that you've kind of always shared knowledge. And so it sounds like it was a natural path for you that you just stepped into once you recognized the demand to do such a thing. Is that pretty accurate? On the money, right on the money. And even when I think about it, John, even before my career started, when I was a 12-year-old girl, right, going to high school, I would always see that kid, that young woman, who was not in the clique, who was more of an outsider, maybe because of her appearance or whatever, or whatever, you know, you know how high school can be tough, right? Of course. But I was involved in a clique. When I say clique, I was involved with the popular kids, right? But I would always find that kid who was not involved mm. and bring them into the circle, right? I would always see their potential. Like, ah, if she would just do her hair a little bit differently, oh, that would make her appearance look different. If she would just smile a little bit more and I would literally as a kid on my way to school <laughs> because we walked to school <laughs> yeah we didn't you know would have these conversations which were conversations to empower that kid to think and look and feel differently 
Wow. Since I was like 12 years old. So it was always in me to try to make people over or make them see that next step for themselves or get them to that full potential, even as a kid. So it was no surprise I got into charity work and was doing that or even as a corporate person, just being by the training and seeing people get to that, to that their next step. Now, were those conversations always well-received or did you ever get kids that are like, mind your own business, my hair's fine or... or John? Or <laughs> I think that's personal. Although you know me as your coach, right? But I can be really honest. So good question. No, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't always well-received. But for the most part, because you're right, they weren't always well-received because people don't always want you to tell them Heard what could be what could be heard for right or well, perceived as hurtful. And I would say too, is especially as a child, you're yeah. learning how to give that feedback. I recently yeah. had an experience with somebody who came over to my house. We had a great opportunity playing pool, and I was able to feel that I had the opportunity to share that he could improve in a certain area of his uh, professional career, and that's something that if it was stated wrong or at the wrong time, could have maybe been offensive. And so yes. I think there's a key here to not just helping people who you can see need help, but in a way that they accept the help at the same time. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And I think you have all the makings of a coach yourself because it is, you want to deliver truth and you want to do it with integrity and authenticity. However, 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 it's not so much about you getting the message across. You have to also think about how is it going to be received, you know? Right. And sometimes delayed truth is not a lie. You just have to have that, you know, what, know when the timing is right. So as a kid, it wasn't always well received. However, the ones that were, <laughs> were, were quite successful. <laughs> well, and yeah. It, yeah, and it sounds like it was well intended, which is yes. um, all you can do sometimes. Yeah. Now, you're talking a lot about sharing knowledge. I'm curious, is there a difference between coaching and sharing knowledge? Because yes. you might go through your career and pass on what you've learned, but I think there's also something to effectively coaching, which is kind of the next step. Right. So there's coaching, there's sharing knowledge, and there's also mentoring. And those are three different things. So let's talk about mentoring, for example. If mentorship that's someone who is ahead of you right and someone who may be in a position where you want to eventually get to, and it's usually more in a corporate environment right mm -hmm. mentors and spot what they call sponsors and that is a voluntary thing there's no money involved usually and it's usually it could be once or twice per year depending on the mentor schedule right where you're and the mentee what i always say a mentee is buy them lunch, right? You're taking your time and you're going to sit at their feet, ask questions and gain knowledge, right? Yeah. That's more like a mentorship, right? You know, sharing knowledge is just being a nice, kind person and you're the, like, we do online, like you do online. You're mm -hmm. sharing knowledge. That's sharing knowledge. Now we're doing it virtually. But before there was a virtual platform, we were, I was doing the same thing, just physically, verbally, sharing knowledge, you know, yeah. I, speaking for free, really. You know, speaking for free. And then there's coaching, hmm. where the coachee, right, the person who's being coached, have made a decision that they're going to they're going to make an investment, a financial investment, in getting something accomplished that they can't accomplish on their own. Yeah. And you know, John, you're in sports, right? And it's sometimes you said it earlier. Sometimes it's hard for people to understand why is a business coach needed or a life coach for that matter. So then why is a coach needed for Tiger Woods, right? Or for John Davidson when he was skating? Why would you need a coach? Right. Because there is so much you can do on your own. And then you, then the rest, right, that, that next level, you need someone to help you pull it out, to hold you accountable, hmm. to help you see what's inside of you. You cannot see it for yourself. And there's also, you also have blind spots, Right? right. Sometimes you can't see your own blind spots. You can't see that you're a procrastinator. You can't see that you lack discipline. You just can't see it. Right. And a coach can gently tell you you lack discipline. But here's how we're going to fix that. You know, here's how we're going to hold you accountable. Here's how we're going to set some goals for you and how we're going to hold you accountable to these goals. Here's what I think you're not seeing, but based on certain answers to what I'm asking you, I am seeing. Can you see it? 
And sometimes only when a coach asks that question, you're like, wait a second, I never considered that. Like when I was coaching you for the leadership of ESD, right? Right. So I, yeah, I saw where you were a sponge to the leadership training. I saw the raw potential, right? And then I saw your knowledge too, right? Cause you were teaching me about the industry while I'm coaching you about, you know, to be a leader. <laughs> teaching me about I was sharing knowledge and you were coaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but then I thought, wow. So after we worked together for about three, four months, I thought, but he's a brand, you know, he's a brand in the making. He just doesn't know. So when that, when all those disappointments happen, I'm like, nah, you're too good to just wait around for another job offer. Hmm you can go and create your own way, right? You know, create a brand because you are already a brand making. We just need to package you right. Right. You know, filling all the, you know, the, the gaps and the rest would just naturally occur. And that's what we did. We did and we continue to do it. One moment you talk about taking a, keeping people accountable and you talk about pointing out the blind spots. I remember one thing specifically that we got straight right away when you and I were coaching and that was being on time for zoom calls. And I remember when I was at GameStop, which was years ago, it was a culture where you just had a lot of meetings Mm -hmm. and it also be, it became the type of thing where it was almost like a humble brag that, Oh, I have all these meetings. Like it makes you more important or whatever. And so you would show up late to meetings because you had all these back-to-back meetings and it wasn't viewed as negative or we didn't view ourselves as negative because we were so busy and that said something about maybe our success. Right. So I didn't mean to be late to meetings. I wasn't trying to be rude or anything, but I really didn't think much of it because I had come from this culture of, yeah, we're late to meetings all the time. And I remember you holding me accountable and saying, John, when you are late to a meeting, you are not valuing somebody's time. You are showing them that their time doesn't matter for you. And I remember I was late to a committee meeting with Esports Trade Association and you shared with me, John, everybody was just sitting around. Nobody started the meeting because you're leading it. And I, my perspective, I was thinking, oh, you know, they're, they're getting things done and they're, when I join, I'll join them. And it was such an eye opener. And yeah, sometimes I'm late for meetings because I've got a back to back or something or, you know, the Zoom link is is messed up. But what you do is you set a, aside the time to make sure you have those things. Yes. Right. And yeah. that seems like a little thing, but that has made such a difference in my life. And it's probably made a big impact with people that I don't even know because it was positive rather than negative of, yeah, this guy can't show up on time to a meeting. I was really pleased with how well you responded to that, you know, that rebuke or criticism, right? Because I wanted, I knew you were a leader, right? Mm -hmm. And the first thing you have to do is to lead yourself. Before you can lead people, John, your self-leadership is so important. And so I wanted to establish from the very beginning that you are a leader, a leader, I don't care what anyone else is doing. You're the leader. You're who everyone's looking at, and you have to set the tone. And and being late was not the tone that we needed to have set. (laughs) And I also felt like I wanted to identify right away if you were having disciplinary problems. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you to know that I'm watching that. Is it a lack of discipline why you weren't on time? Because we got to root that out. So for you to be successful, you had to be more disciplined. So I wanted to set the ground rules right up front that right. it was not going to be tolerated and you shouldn't tolerate it for yourself either. And you have been exemplary since then. I appreciate that. You know, something that I really noticed during our time, you do in your coaching, you do teach the hard skills of building a business and you did help me with a number of things with that. Hey, this is how your LinkedIn page should look. You need to get Calendly. I'm lagging a little bit on that one. I'm going to, thanks for holding me accountable today. You know, these other things that set you up that are just best practices in business. But what I would say was the most valuable piece of it was the mindset. And I remember you 
made it very clear to me, John, if your mind isn't right, nothing else is going is going to work here. And I remember too, when you pitched me on the idea of coaching and me doing my personal brand, I took my time and I talked to a lot of people yeah. uh, to really decide, did I want to do this? And I remember I kind of put it to you, you know, sell yourself, you know, why, why should it be you if I worked with anybody? And I remember you saying, John, anybody, because I know you, anybody mm-hmm. who only sees you from the outside You've had these titles, you have this expertise in a vibrant category, and they're going to think this guy is just ready to rock and roll, and you're going to crash and burn three months from now because the mind isn't fixed. Yeah. And that's not something that you do one time and then you're just fine. Right. But what you enabled me to establish, and I don't even really know how to articulate it, so maybe you can articulate it a little better but overcoming those difficult days when things aren't going right when things in your personal life aren't going well and you still have to do the job where you have to do something first for the first time ever you're building a proposal for a client and you've never built a proposal before as the solopreneur sort of a thing Share right. a little bit about what you helped me figure out and what our audience can learn about how the mindset is key to success. Such a good point, John, because I always tell you know, entrepreneurs, you bring your whole self to work, right? And we talk a lot about self-sabotage when we were coaching, right? That's a big one for entrepreneurs, right? Not feeling like they're good enough. They're, they're always getting right up to that, you know, up to the, up to the, to, to that space where okay success is right around the corner but you're going to do something unconsciously mm-hmm. to just blow that up right i've seen and it myself of, a bunch of times yes, yeah it's a lack of confidence right so we have to then okay we have to track it back like okay why are you self-sabotaging what is the fear is it fear of success or is it fear of failure or is it lack of confidence so i like to track that with my clients like oh, where is this coming from where is this feeling coming from and then we have to get to that root cause is it fear of failure why why are you fearing you know what where, where have you failed before do you know that failure could be a positive you know having them reorient their minds and put in new scripts sometimes it's from something someone said carelessly in your past it could be a parent Hmm. Oh, John, you'll never amount to anything. Or, oh, John, you're always messing up. Or, oh, John, you're always weak. Or, oh, I mean, these things get lodged in the mind. And when it's time to come and play, they're playing a lot. And so you Hmm. self-sabotage, you shrink back. It could be a lack of confidence. What is confidence? It's belief in yourself and your ability. So Hmm. if you lack confidence, you're going to self-sabotage, right? So how do you build confidence? I always tell my clients, let's get some small wins to mm. build up your confidence, right? So the mindset work is key. And it's, you're right, John, it is not a one time. Let me fix your mindset. It's something that we have to be mindful of literally every single day. We have to have tools. I like to talk about affirmations, right? So on my computer, right, I have my little cards. Mm. And it's things, I, it's my I am statements, right? I am healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm abundant, I'm poised, I'm prosperous. Whatever it is for you, have your little cards. It's just a reminder as you're looking, you're transforming your thinking, you're transforming your mind, you're transforming how you think about yourself. And it's these tools, self-talk, self-awareness, getting rest, getting exercise. Yeah. Yeah, all these habits, you know, like you're feeling down, you're feeling sluggish, you're feeling nervous, you're feeling anxious. Okay. Let's go out and do some laps. Let's go run. Let's go get a smoothie, a green smoothie. Let's do something to reset. Let's go jump around on a trampoline if you have one. I have one in my backyard. Let's shift it because mm-hmm. if you don't, you're not going to be successful in whatever project you're doing that day. It's going to be just sabotage. So mindset is huge. And you're right. I think it's bigger than any hard skill. It's mm-hmm. Because if it's if your if if your mind isn't right, your actions will not be right either. Absolutely. So that was that was huge. That's huge. It continues to be huge. Something that's so surprising to me is how effective 
the affirmations are. Yeah. I mean, if you were thinking about it from a, a skeptic's perspective, right? Like, oh, come on, Sharon. You're sitting there. You're just looking in the mirror. Oh, I'm successful. I'm going to be well. I'm wealthy. I am this and that. Like, I could see people listening to this or having listened to other podcasts about leadership and coaching and thinking, you got to be kidding me. Number one, it can't be that easy. And number two, how does that really work? Can you explain a little bit? Because I know it's effective and it's surprised me and I do it myself, but I want to dig a little deeper into that for the audience. Let me ask the audience, for example, you're dumb. Does that affect you? You're ugly. Does that affect you? You're stupid. Does that affect you? Absolutely. Okay. So if that affects you, that's just words, right? Mm -hmm. So why can't the words, John, you're smart. John, you're handsome. John, you're poised. John, you're confident. It's it's the same words, right? It's a different energy. Mm. So it's it's taking the power of words and making them yours. I am smart. I could also say, you know, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I'm Mm. foolish. You know, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm black. I'm white. I'm this. I'm that. That's negative self-talk literally has a physical impact on your body and on your health. Wow. Your thinking. And if you say, I am healthy. I am wise. I am beautiful. I am, and I'm trying to get rid of the sun out of my face. I am, (laughs) I've been trying to hide from the sun. It's, it, there is power in it. And what I do, I use my iPhone, John, and I go into that recorder mm. and I speak my affirmations into my phone on a good day when I have a clear voice. And I, you know, I say the things that I want to hear being said back to me. And then when I go for my walks in the morning, I put my, my earpiece in and I listen to my own voice telling me how great I am. You know? Wow. Yeah, how smart I am. All the things that I want to be that I aspire to be, that, you, you know, we'll, we'll talk about legacy afterwards, but all the things I want to be said about me, I say it to myself now. And I listen to my own voice telling me this through my, I, you know, through my, my earpods. And it's quite empowering for me. And, I, and, I, and I, I tell my clients this, you know, speak words of truth to yourself. There is enough negativity around us right? So much on the television, so much in the news, so much everywhere that you have got to put positivity in your life. And as you know, John, I'm a person of faith. So some of my affirmations are faith related. You know, I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the King. I am highly favored. I use that one a lot because I have to interact with so many people that I want special favor. I want people to see me for who I really am. Mm. And that's really what we call favor, where you get breaks that you don't even deserve. Right. So I'm always, I'm always affirming that I am favored, that I doors open for me. And when you, when you think that way and you are approaching a situation, you're expecting the doors to open for you because it's part of your expectation. But yeah. if you say, you know, because I'm a woman or because I'm this or because I'm that or because I'm young or because I'm old, these doors will not open for me your energy, your energy field will, will emote that, right? And so even as you're approaching your prospect, mm-hmm. that's what you're picking up. Energy is real. I, I walk into a room and I can read everyone's energy in, within 30 seconds to a minute. Mm-hmm. And they can mine. Absolutely. And you can all read each other. That guy's feeling down. Or I know, for example, when you're not, when you're not, oh, John, you good? I can tell. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then you, you bring yourself back up, right? You go do your tools and you bring yourself back up. And that's just kind of what you have to do for yourself is to talk to yourself and look at your goals, you know, and remind yourself that you're, you're working towards something. That's why goals are so important. So you have a reason, you know, you have a reason to keep going, you know, yeah. you have a purpose, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I want to talk about something that's related to that. And you did a great LinkedIn post on this. And then I think I piggybacked on the back of it because it was so inspirational to me. And it's about vision. And, you know, we're talking here about aspirational affirmation. Yes. And I think something that's important for people to understand is you will never go further than your vision. Yeah. Now, you may not go as far as your vision. 
but you will absolutely never go further than you think you can or you see yourself going. How can people set that vision to set themselves up for success? It's such a great question, John, because a lot of people have no vision at all. That's the bigger thing. I mean, like literally no vision. I remember, you know, just even when I was working my charity and these people are really disempowered, right? So I would say, so what is your goal? They've never even heard that term, never even considered what a goal is. They were living day to day. They were living, they were existing, right? Not really living, no plans, no plans. And I I remember always, you know, taking a, a, a piece of paper, right? And creating like a circle, like a dartboard, right? And I would say to them, when you have no goal or no vision, you're going to be throwing darts and they're going to be, they're going to be off the board because there's no bullseye. You're going to end up where you don't want to end up. Right. And that's people without vision. And the scripture says, you know, without vision, you you perish. Right. And I asked people, what do you see for yourself? What is your preferred future? And for some people, I don't know, fear, I don't know, mindset, they don't want to think that far out. Yeah. They don't want to think that far out. And I said, well, if money wasn't an issue, what would you, what would you be doing with your life? Sometimes they'll think a little bit, but people are afraid to even vision cast because before they vision cast, they start to edit themselves. I don't have any money for my dream. I don't have any talents for my dream. I don't have any support for my dream. So why dream? Wow. You know, let me share something about something similar in my life that I experienced before our coaching. Yeah. And it was, I was terrified. I was more afraid of success. Mm -hmm. And I would find that I would find myself in a new role. And I I remember saying this to you, Sharon, everybody's always seen potential in me. (laughs) And, you know, I get a new, you know, I talk myself into a job I'm not qualified for because people are like, wow, this guy crush the interview, what he's going to do for us, etc. And then I would find myself, and it happened more than once, it was a pattern. Whatever my goals were for that role, I would find myself spending more time trying to reset the goals lower and failing, and then getting to a point that if the person I reported to said, that's okay, then I could succeed. And it was like, I want you to, I want you to affirm me or say that I'm okay, regardless of what I accomplish. And once I have that, then I can reach my potential. And that was so incredibly limiting because I would get these jobs and I would just (laughs) rather than spending all my time and energy just accomplishing and going and swimming downstream, I would spend my time subconsciously not achieving. And my vision in those moments was non-existent. Mm -hmm. It, It wasn't, you know, reach for the stars. It was, I'm afraid to even reach. I hope your audience hear this point because maybe there are people out there who are experienced what you used to experience. And I remember the first time you shared that with me, I thought, wow, this guy is really authentic because this is, this is really a vulnerable, vulnerable moment that he's sharing here with me. Cause what you're, and I'm going to repeat what you said, just so people understand, right. What you were saying, you know, that, you would get these jobs and you would have these responsibilities and you would rewrite them, so to speak, to where they were a lower level so you could actually be successful at your rewrite. But it wasn't what was expected. Right. And I remember when you, when you told me that and the fear that came with having your boss having the expectation of the higher thing that they hired you for and the fear that you weren't able to to live up to that, right. which, kept, which kept you almost terrorized, really. I didn't, and, yeah, to, to put it the right way is 
I didn't, I was scared to try. Yes. Yes. And I'll take this back to junior high school real quick. Mm-hmm. I remember this moment. My mom was a teacher. Grades were so important. In elementary school, I had straight A's, which isn't hard to do in elementary school. But, you know, I was a smart kid and I, I, I was successful in my classes. I skipped sixth grade math. We had a test to skip sixth grade math. And boy, that was just the end of my success in math. I just struggled from there on out. I, I clearly remember this moment in science class. Mm-hmm. They were giving out our grades and it was early in the year. So there were a lot of different projects to grade on. And I had been sick or I had missed some days for some reason. So the last project wasn't included in the grading. So, and I turned it in that day, but it wasn't factored in. Well, he's handing the grades out and I had a D plus. Now factor in that grade, I have an A. I cared so much that I was crying. It, It like makes me emotional just like thinking about, I was crying at my desk at school even knowing that I had an A, but I had this D in my hand. Mm-hmm. the Because I cared so much, the only way that I could make it okay for myself not to achieve was to stop caring and not try. Because if I didn't succeed, it was because I didn't try, not because I actually failed. And I had convinced myself in fast forward 23 years later, I still had that mindset. Yeah. I was going to say, John, we're back to mindset again. And we're back to scripts and things that we learned earlier on and behaviors that we adopted, coping mechanisms, right? Which might have served us okay when we were younger or might have been taken more casually. But then 20 years later, 25, 30 years later, they're showing up in our lives when we're adults, right? And they're literally sabotaging our success. And when you said that to me, I thought, whoa, okay, we got to change that mindset because you are good enough, right? You are good enough. Right. You are good enough. And you just don't have enough faith and trust in yourself, which is why ultimately I think what you're doing now is the best because you're on your own and you are growing and you are evolving every day and you're learning and your challenges now are the ones that you're taking on and going through them. And it's wonderful. And it may just be that that's where you were supposed to be all along. But I, I remember that moment when you shared that with me and I, and I thought that is a mind block right there Yeah. because you're a smart man. You can handle it, but you've, you've conditioned your mind to say, I can't because if I try and I fail, that's worse than not trying at all. Right. So I wouldn't bother trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a mind block, folks. <laughs> yeah. Let that's me tell you, don't get into that. Don't get into that. No. Well, let's talk that. a little bit more of the positive aspect of mindset. So we've talked about affirmations. We've talked about some of the self-sabotage that people have. We've talked about setting a vision and goals for yourself to succeed. Now, once you are on that path, then you're creating a legacy. And this is another thing that you really opened my mind about, which number one, you're going to create a legacy. You better start thinking about it before you're about to hit your deathbed, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I remember you saying, John, what do you want people to remember you for? And what you want people to remember you for, you better start that today. And how, what steps are you going to take so that one day when people talk about you or even just your reputation around the industry that you develop, What do you want that to be so you can be purposeful in it? And I had never even thought about legacy before. And I think a lot of people don't even have that on the radar. Share why that's important, how it's beneficial short-term and long-term. You know, John, I mean, your memory is very good. You are an excellent, excellent, excellent coach. I was taking notes. (laughs) I mean, you're good. Yeah, but legacy starts now. Like you said, John, it begins now. And uh, we're all going to have a legacy, whether we ask for it or not, because Mm. we're all going to pass off, right? And there's going to be conversations around at our funeral. And, you know, there lies John, there lies Sharon. And he was known for this and she was known for that. And you may say, what does it matter if after I die? Well, you know, if you die, 
alone, a lonely man, or maybe it doesn't matter that much, maybe. But if you have family that's behind, right? Um, offsprings or whatever, it does matter. And it also matters when you are alive because your legacy is lived every day. And that's why vision and mission is so important. 20 something years ago, Jen, I read Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, he said, create a personal mission statement, right? So companies talk about their mission, like DLC has a mission, but you should have a personal mission statement. I created my mission statement years ago, 20 something years ago, that I wanted to have a positive impact, right? You know, an influence on everyone in my sphere of influence, right? And what does positive mean? It means that I wanna be adding value to people, everyone that I meet. So that I want to be my legacy. So I have to show up every day and try to add value. Whether I'm gonna add value in my free talks or in my online space or in my conversations, in my business, through my business, but that's what I want to be about. So your legacy is this. What do you want to be about? Mm. Fun, goodness, kindness, purpose, helping. What, is, what do you want to be about? What's right. a good thing that you'd want to be known for? Then when, it, when you identify that thing, start living that thing in daily chunks, daily bites. Mm. It makes, it, it's going to make you a better person, a better character, first of all. But you're going to also be impacting the people in your sphere. Mm -hmm. you're going to be that spark that light their match, you know? Right. And your, your legacy is going to be far reaching because you're living it in the now when you're passed on. Yes, it will be declared, but you're going to be living it in the now. And I just think it's so important that people are conscious of that, you know, just conscious. Yeah. Of I think it'd be helpful too, to help people here, give a, a few tips on how people can identify their legacy. So one thing that I'm aware of because of my good friend, Gabrielle Boucher, she was on the podcast. I know you really appreciated that episode. Her and her, her and her husband, Brian, they wrote a book called The Purpose Factor. I bought it. Yeah. Awesome. After your podcast. Yeah. I'm going to mm -hmm. see if I can get a commission off that. I'm going to call her. So <laughs> driving sales, baby. So <laughs> what Brian and Gabrielle have identified is that they say your purpose is what have you worked through yourself that you can then help other people work through. And you can do it because you've been through it. And I've mm -hmm. experienced this. I've been through some things. And then I've worked with some people and said, look, you don't want to do this. Or I see the path you're on and mm -hmm. don't go down that path. That could be one way of identifying your purpose or your legacy. Are there others that can help people discover that? Yes. Yes. I, you know, when I think of purpose, right, I, I, I think of this way. What do you feel in your soul that you were designed and created to do? What is it? Is it running? Is it swimming? Is it speaking? Mm -hmm. Is it coaching? Is it teaching? That you feel like you have all the equipment. It may not be fully um, actualized or it may not be fully developed, but man, I would do this thing for free. What is this thing? Yeah. And I always take the money out of it for people. Like, take the money out of it. So take up, just, just take up the responsibilities of life out of it. What would you get up and enjoy doing every single day, even if you weren't getting paid? Mm. That's what you were created to do and to be. And a lot of people, they kind of know their purpose, but they don't live it because they don't know how to incorporate their purpose into their way of life or into a living. Right, I, good point. That's why they don't do it. And then they're miserable in their jobs, right? Because they're doing jobs that don't really serve them, serve their higher purpose, their higher calling. And I say to that, you know, you only have this one life, right? And you, there, there are things, I mean, again, going back to my background in scripture, right? You know, the scripture says that there are works that were designed and orchestrated for you to do before you were even born, right? Mm -hmm. So if that's what you were designed and created to do, if you're not doing it, you're out of sync. You're not fulfilled. There's so many unfulfilled people, John. I mean, just so many people in their 60s, 70s, and they're realizing, oh my God, I've just lived my life. I know I have less years ahead, 
And I've never been truly happy, even though I've made money. I've never been truly happy hmm. because they never stepped and walked and worked in their purpose. And I, and I say to people, gosh, you owe it to yourself to sit down, do some self-introspection, right? Take a weekend. Get, take a, and just say, man, if money wasn't an issue in my life, if money was, if all my bills were taken care of, what would I do? Would I teach? Would I go on mission trips? I mean, what would I do? Right. That's your, that's your purpose. Like I felt like when I met you, you're a communicator, you're, you're, you're a networker, you're warm. I just felt like you should be doing something that use your natural gifts and where I feel like you shine. I mean, when you explain ESTA, for example, I, I could just sit and listen, like, God, he's really good. You know, when you explain, when you explain esports, or I just feel like this is what you were created to do, to, to be that person that brings us all together, and I, that's your purpose. I mean, that's what I think you were designed to do. Well, I and, appreciate that. I, I still remember the first time I hosted a podcast. And it was a long time ago. I tried to start one with a friend of mine years ago. We didn't have time to edit it. So we did about five episodes with people. And those poor people never got their podcast aired. Maybe <laughs> one day we'll go back to the archives, have time to edit them. But I remember it was just a feeling yeah. of swimming downstream. And specifically, I think I felt it so strongly because I had been in roles where I was scratching and clawing uphill every day. It was the immediate opportunity that I had to do mm-hmm. to make a living and that was in front of me. And those things have worked out very well for my career. And sometimes you do need to do those things short term while you're looking for long term. That's but right. I remember that time I got behind the mic, interviewing somebody, listening, pulling out the insights, sharing. And I was like, whoa, I found it. Yes, right. And that was about three years ago. You know, that was a long time before I actually, I had no clue I would ever end up hosting a podcast. Another thing I'll share too, I heard somebody say this. They said, imagine if Usain Bolt, who's been the world's fastest man, the fastest sprinter in the history of the world, he now plays professional soccer, like lower level professional soccer from what I understand. Imagine if Usain Bolt never discovered sprinting and just became a soccer player or anything else, right? He is a household name. We all know who he is because he's broken those Olympic records time after time because he found what he does better than anybody else in the world. And so the message here is find what you are best in the world. And if your response to that is like, well, John, I can't be the best speaker in the world. Like look at Tony Robbins or whatever, right? Or I can't be the best coach in the world or I can't be the best basketball player or sprinter in the world. That's not true. You think about it a little bit more nuanced. You are the best version of you in the world. And so while I'm no Joe Rogan, but I think I can interview people And I can share the things that I know based on my life experience in a better way than Joe Rogan could share my life experience and the subject matter that I have an expertise on, right? And sharing the things that you do well, you do uniquely well, and you found those through vision, through affirmation, and years of stepping into those things and finding what works for you. And it is just so incredibly eye-opening I can share from experience that when you find that thing and hey when you're an entrepreneur you may not be doing it for money (laughs) at first anyway right true true and I've had moments where I get up in the morning I walk into my office and I am excited to do what I get to do and money is a byproduct of that you know yes Sometimes yes. we have to work hard to make the ends meet while, while we figure everything out. But I just want to encourage people today, don't be held back by the things in your life that may have held you back your whole life. Rather than focusing on the hard skills, focusing on improving your weaknesses, improve your mindset, and lean into your strengths. That's one thing I want you to, we're almost out of time here, but I'd love to have you comment on one more thing because it's something that you told me. I remember one day I was saying, you know, I'm doing these graphics and stuff for my content on LinkedIn, my podcast, and I'm not a great designer. 
I think I might take a class. And you said, no. (laughs) (laughs) You said, John, (laughs) you said, don't spend time doing something, investing in something that you won't be a 10 at. Yep. Invest the time in becoming a 10 in the things you can be a 10 at and the things that you're going to be a two, three, four, five, six, seven at delegate, pay someone else to do and focus on being a 10. Share a little bit about what that's all about. Yeah. You know, I think I I first learned that I think, I think from a John Maxwell training I did years ago, you know, when he said, because do you really like a five, John? Do you like anyone who's a five at anything or a six? You want you want yeah. nines and tens, right? Of course. So why would you then work on your four, your strength, you know, your four is to get them to a six. People still want to appreciate or want it. So you're wasting all that energy to bring your four up to a six, whatever mm-hmm. your four is. Your four, you may not be a great speaker, but if you're a four as a speaker, working hard to get it to a six, you're still not going to be a great speaker. Right. Or maybe you're a good blogger or a good writer. Maybe you're an eight. Work hard and get to a 10, and then you could be a, an author, right? Mm. So I tell folks, don't waste time on those on those weaknesses that are really weak. You, you have strengths. Identify your strengths, hone those, develop those, and get those to nines and tens. That's where your money, that's where your fulfillment, that's where your success lies in your nines and tens. Don't work. These fours and fives delegate for sure. No one wants them. That's so well said. I feel like we could go on and on with insights for hours and hours and hours. This has been so fun. You know, we talked about at the beginning of the episode why, you know, you really helping me unlock my potential. And it's been cool to enjoy this episode. They say as you talk and teach something, you learn it a second time. So it's been fun to express the things you taught me. And I'm thinking while we're talking here, wow, I have learned some things here and I'm I'm continuing to take notes as well. What I would just share to anybody who has seen my content, who has seen what I've done with my company, with my podcast, if you have seen anything positive anyway, I want to encourage you to reach out to share. If not sharing someone else, if it's somebody that's closer to you, that's maybe a better fit as a coach, but I had such a great experience with you and continue to do so, Sharon. How can people get a hold of you and learn to master them. Best way was uh, my website, SharonGill.com or just email me at contact at SharonGill.com. I, I do a free discovery call to see if we're a fit 30 minutes. I'll give you a free coaching and, you know, we take it from there. But thank you so much, John, for having me and for, you know, for short, actually, I, I just didn't realize how good a student you were. <laughs> <laughs> But really, thank you. You've been a pleasure to work with and continue to work with. So, I mean, it's, it's just been awesome being here. And I'm just so proud of you, really. I'm just well, so proud of you. I appreciate that. And it's a great opportunity to help others as well and to do it together on this episode. And I look forward to it coming out. Sharon Gill, thank you so much for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast.